<laughs> I don't know anything about guitar. Hey, this is Shining Groom, vocalist of Coalesce, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Dominate. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. I always want to be part of a small rebellion. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. lessons on itunes from fallout boys guitarist <laughs> or Gar garage band do you remember that they uh, no. had a thing to where you could take guitar lessons yeah garage band had a deal to where they had guitar lessons and stuff i got into it and i was just like i was like this isn't me yeah this is jess you know i, I was the other guy <laughs> so but it was fun for did a little you bit. ever play an instrument but, or have you always just been vocal guy um i just you know vocal vocal came after like active guy it's like i'm active guy and i'm in and i'm i make things happen guy and i want to do this and i don't have anything to do in this band so i guess i'll be vocal guy because you know what i mean that's kind of like how that happened no for me honestly no know? i don't know what you mean so, like action so, guy like i remember you talking to, to ray about like moving to syracuse and and moving in with like the vegan crew where you were kind of like wow this is militant wow but like you were obviously like submersed in scenes and moved around and, and again operated by your convictions like I'm not right here I'm going to move somewhere else and then you moved and went I'm not right here I'm going to go home like like it's it's easier to just go uh it's too hard to move but you actually did it and you and you moved around and tried to like make things happen and just tried to experiment and figure stuff out so when you say you're action guy I guess I know what that means but I'm not exactly sure what your actions were <laughs> so I've, I, so maybe passion guy is the right way to say it. So like, I was the guy who wanted to, to, you know, I'll make a zine. I'll, you know, I'll start my own distro and buy records from, you know, Guav or whatever, okay. and, and sell them to my local ten friends. And like, just just passionate about the scene and the music and all of that stuff. And then just, but not, but you know what I mean. And just being like, I almost feel like sometimes it's like, well. Let's just ask Sean to sing for the band because he's and because he does all of these things and he's into all of this stuff and he's really into it. Maybe he's good vocally and stuff. So okay. that's kind of like how I got into the first band, which was uh, Straight Edge 
uh, yeah, well, actually, before that, it was Restrained. Oh, wow. Um, it, was a, it was a straight-edge band. And I tried, it, I tried and to jump in and make it sound like zero, I knew what I was, I was talking about. I'm just going off your Wikipedia the, page. <laughs> <laughs> no, Restrained Restrain was with Justin Wright. He's, um, if you Google him, he's doing a bunch of really weird kind of like stoner, um, like noise stuff. Cool. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but, um, cause I don't, I don't put it for him, but, um, anyways, like that was that band. They had some other kind of like skinhead guy in the band and he, they had a falling out with him and they were going to replace him or whatever. And that's how they got the gig is cause I was around, you know what I mean? And I was like, I love mouth. It was like mouthpiece. Is that the name of the band? I like mouthpiece and I loved youth of today and I could imitate Ray Capo and, you know, it's like, I was just in, just involved you know what i mean okay um and, and then and then the same thing same thing with breach or um you know like the coalesce guys when we first started out it's like it was it was the same thing they're just like it wasn't like i wasn't chosen by my pedigree you know what i mean as a vocalist i was like kind of chosen you know because i was there and i was you know i knew what was going on and i was willing you know what I mean? To get out there, you know, and, and do stuff. I think people put more effort into vocals these days. I think back then it was just like, Hey, can you stand here and scream and not, you know, not read off a piece of paper? You know what I mean? It's like, I think the bar was much lower back then okay. versus today. So, so, so I was able to get in into it much easier back then and stuff. Okay. But, uh, you know, coalesce was after I moved back from Syracuse and Syracuse again was just based off of my passion. You know, I wanted, I mean, I wanted to be at ground zero. I mean, dude, this whole idea, I mean, something about Earth Crisis when it came out just blew me away. I mean, right. even today, that first seven inch kills me, dude. I love it. Yeah. And so Carl Beekner is one of my favorite vocalists. He always will be. I don't care if the guy hates me or not. Like, he's badass, dude. So, like, whoa, whoa, what? I just want, why do you, wanted why do you to be, think he hates you? Oh, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know for sure or whatever, but just based off the idea of like this whole, like sellout thing you're like oh you used to be straight edge or not you know how like the oh, whole straight oh, gotcha. edge well i mean standards that no one can live up to gotcha yeah gotcha yeah i i have no idea i'm just i'm i, I don't know and it doesn't matter to me either way but i but but the but the point is it's like it's like he like i don't care what he was he was good nothing would sway my opinion that he wasn't like one of the most um intense and exciting vocalists um, for for hardcore at the time, right. for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, I think another one would be Tim Singer at the time. My God, Ted, the Dead Guy, and uh, that was really cool when when that stuff came out. But like, um, I just wanted to be at that Grand Zero of like all that stuff, gotcha. you know. So I literally just pen paled him and was like, "Hey, I want to move out there." I lived with Ben, the original guitarist for um, Earth Crisis. He lived at the same house. Super cool guy. I mean, it's just interesting to see how. You know, yeah, they were militant, but it's you know, but there's like a lot of other other characteristics of them and stuff, which I thought was like really surprising. Um, but it wasn't me, you know what I mean? And I learned that really quick. But um, but that's just that's to me like as like just the, that passion, you know. And that I had that same passion for bike polo when I started Fixcraft, and um, you know what I mean. And now later in life, you know, and I had that passion for for coalesce, and then I, and that's what I'm doing now is with other things uh just you know it's using making myself more useful to people in need but um uh you were into bike, that you were into bike polo that that long ago oh no no i got into bike polo 
thought it was more recent. Um, I think it was, yeah, like six, seven years okay. ago. Okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was anybody playing bike polo back in the Syracuse Earth Crisis days? I, I, I... Uh, well, uh, bike polo actually started in 99 in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, it was started during the um, dot-com boom. So right towards the end of the dot-com boom, um, the guys who were running the messenger bikes, the fixed gear bikes, they put together um, basically just groups while they're waiting, and they just kind of played this game while the, uh, like on the clock while they're waiting for their next, you know, the delivery. Um, and then a bike show came to town, and they, you know, had some beers and played this game after after that uh, after the bike show. Um, and then the people who came from overseas, they you know, and all around the United States, they took it home with them. And they're saying, hey, check out this really cool game. And so that's that's the story of like how bike polo kind of started and then spread. And then it, and then it you know, it went through uh, several different iterations. And then I got involved with it and I started a company and we innovated the hell out of the equipment on that game. Um, and it was really big for a bit. But um, sadly, I closed the business um, actually December of this year. Uh, I fully liquidated everything in the business and closed it out. So I'm no longer involved this, with bike polo this, like, like at all. last month. Yeah. Yeah. It's been weird. It's been real oh, weird. Man. So like okay. every, every, every year for the past, like six, seven years is it, for me has been planning out next season's thing and, and doing all this other stuff. But it's like, I just, you know, it's just uh, the, the market got so small. <clears throat> I even, if you go on YouTube and you Google PHBP, pro bike polo i even dumped 30 grand into this um uh professionally shot and organized league game to uh pitch to television stations one of which actually wanted to pick it up for um quite a bit of money each year um and you can actually see the thing that like i produced with my friend brandon carter and stuff and it's just it's just it was so cool I mean, it was just so cool. The best way I could describe it is like it was just like, I mean, it was, I mean, it was like a punk sport. I mean, it had all the same everything. People had the same attitudes. Um, they wanted to do stuff themselves. They just wanted to build their own equipment. Um, they would, they would just descend on courts gorilla style and just start playing this game. Okay. Just everything about it's badass. I still love it. Um, but I, it's for me. I'm completely and just completely burned out it just it turned into i mean it just turned into like me alone had to personally support the entire sport and like when it gets to that point i knew at that i knew that i had to i knew i had to stop i knew i had to let polo like let new like make room for new companies and new people with new ideas because i was i mean i captured something like 98 percent of the market um, I mean, we were doing over a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, gross on, on these products, these hubs and everything. It's not a big business, it's not enough to support yourself on, but it's like, I mean, that's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, it's like, it was, it was quite a bit for what actually was going on, you know, and we put most of that money back into the sport every year, which, uh, the polo players didn't exactly understand whether that was cash prizes or sponsoring tournaments or sending cash prizes or, or whatever. Um, and then it's just towards the end, it, it's just the writing was on the wall when people were lambasting me saying polo's dying and it's fixed craft's fault. 
And it's just like, Fixcraft needs to do more. Well, Fixcraft isn't Fixcraft, that's actually me. You know what I mean? So it's it, A, it's kind of hard not to take it personally, but like <laughs> at the same time, it's just like, okay, I need to I need to step out because now it almost feels like, you know, it's like, it's just not, it's I'm not helping anymore. You know what I mean? Right. And there's lot there's lots of things I wanted to do different. There's lots there's lots of things like I wish I could have gone back and and done better and more bold. I I could have been more bold, but um, but it was pretty exciting too. Just to just want to make products just because I was passionate about the sport and then becoming the number one company. You know what I mean? Worldwide. I mean, we were just wow. killing it, just killing it. You know, invented all sorts of stuff for the sport. Even have a patent pending on one of the connection pieces. For the for the thing, which was like um, one of my personal bucket list things that I would be on a patent, which was it was really cool. So, um, yeah, it was a very very interesting uh, ride, to say the least. And that's actually the thing I would be interviewed for and be um, talking about like uh, for the past like five years the most. Um, that was the thing that most people were interested in <laughs> actually speaking speaking about. They didn't even know about um, Coalesce at that point. Did did know didn't care, um, wow. so there was this there was this one tournament that I played. It was it was really kind of funny. Okay, um, we had uh, I played at a Midwest Open um, in Louisville, Kentucky, and I had a broken wrist or something, and had it in a cast or sling or whatever, and I was just filling in for goalie. Well, one of the things you do on these bikes, if, to to describe someone who doesn't know what bike pole is, they basically. Back then, they think fixie gear or fixie bikes or fixed gear bikes, even though they weren't. But that's what they look like. Okay. They're basically just 700C um, street bikes, uh, really simple looking, single speed. And for bike polo, we would uh, cut out these big circles of coroplast plastic, which is just like corrugated plastic, like cardboard. Okay. And because I own, I own my own screen business, I would always make really badass wheel covers. And so um, when I went to play this thing, I had this, uh, I had this gigantic ox logo on all four, both of my wheels on both sides. So my bike was murdered out, and I had these black wheels, and it had the ox logo on it. And I'm playing goal, and there's this dude. He's drinking. He's like, "Hey, what the fuck are those wheels? I know that for some reason." He's wearing a Converge shirt, by the way. Ah! He's he's wearing a Jane Doe shirt. He probably has the album, he's right? Like, yeah, probably probably has the album or whatever. It, and and I'm, I'm playing this game. The games are 10 minutes long. The whole game, he's hollering from behind the court. I just know what that from. What is that? And he just keeps telling me. And one of my game players like rolls up and he goes, That's Cole S, motherfucker. That's the singer right there. Shut the fuck up. We're playing. Right. And he's like, Oh, okay. I remember. <laughs> it's, uh, and it was like real funny. And, and, and you know what I mean? Afterwards, he chatted music with me for a little bit and stuff I got but like um yeah, yeah so it's like one of the very 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 few times that like anyone was just like oh yeah I know what that it's is it's one of the few know, times that, that both but that both uh bike polo and coalesce kind of overlapped for the day yeah, yeah or yeah or converged you know you know <laughs> hard use a hardcore pun but yeah no you're, you're totally right why wouldn't you have gone with um, coalesced I mean that seems obvious <laughs> It's, it's yeah. laying right there, yeah. Sean. It's the name of your band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is Blue 
collar still up and running? Yeah, so blue collar, it's, uh, un are you mean the press or the distribution? Uh, yeah, either, both. So, okay, so so blue collar press is a local, our local printing company. Okay. And we, we it basically it's a, um, it's like a, it's a mid-sized uh, merchandising screen printing facility. We're in about 13,000 square feet, um, running five autos and, uh, I guess about two manuals as well. And, um, yeah, we do sourcing. Um, I, I do, I handle, uh, like custom, like custom everything. Like for instance, if you see like this real high end merch where they just, you know, you can tell they did just screen print on a t-shirt, you know, um, I handle all of that. I go to LA once a year and meet with our vendors and stuff and, um, see what's new and, make sure our clients know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then we have merch tape, merch table and merch table is a separate warehouse. It's across the streets, same business. And that's the online retail store. And so that, like when I was saying, I work for Mark Marin and, you know, and I, we work for a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of bands. So basically that we are the white label, um, front end on the internet and also back end physically with customer service for all of their stores. So we handle, like uh, like as far as like hardcore stuff, we handle neurosis. Um, talk about being geeked out to talk to Steve Until all the time, just about mundane things. That's like a very very cool part of my job. Uh, he's yeah, he's a very cool dude. And then uh, like Hydrahead, um, profound. We do profound lore. We do kill rock stars. Actually, we handle all of kill rock stars. Second nature, um, tank crimes. So basically, if you go to any of those people's websites, that's that's us. That's my company. Right on. Uh, yeah, we do that. But then we also do Mark Marins. We do WTF. Um, we do uh, John Denver. We do uh, David Duchovny's band, which is really completely random, but super cool, too. What? The uh, X-Files guy? Yeah. He's a band? Yeah, he has his own, like, he's a band, and it's really popular. It's really, it's really popular. What's the name of his band? Um it's just David Duchovny being. Never. Never in my life. I mean, what, what yeah. do I know? But I mean, never, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Very very interesting. And then, but where we really, really are killing it is the EDM market. Um, so, like, our very first clients were, like, from the Mad Decent uh, family. So, like, um, uh, Major Laser. We've been Major Laser since the beginning. Diplo since the beginning. Um, Dylan Francis since the beginning. Um, and then we've reached out into a bunch of other um, really large acts like uh, DJ Snake, uh, PMF, which is his, uh, you know, it's part of his brand, DJ Snake brand. And then also um, Porter Robinson, which first person I've ever worked for did over a million on merch uh, on, to, on, a, on, a, on a tour, which was pretty incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, we just do all, we do all sorts of stuff. So we, so we handle all of the, you know, basically we just handle all of their business for them so they can just be good at being bands and it just has a team, you know, doing the other stuff for them. Right. So that's actually, that's, I started, I started, the, I founded the company in 99, um, basically with sales for Get Up Kids, Appleseed Cast and Coalesce mm -hmm. and, the, and the anniversary. Um, and then that's how we grew the business. And then we um, uh, switched over into a distribution model as well. 
to handle online stores and I brought in a bunch of different partners and stuff and it's just grown since then. So I used to handle all production, but now I'm more of the, um, like systems guy that, you know, and, and make sure that like the, I'm more of like the business guy. So I have a partner who handles the, the merch table portion and handles, you know, all of, you know, the clients and stuff that's coming through and day to day operations. And I have another partner, Jim from the anniversary who handles all, uh, all of the production stuff. And then I'm kind of like in the middle and I straddle both businesses and make sure payroll's done taxes. And then, um, I guess you would say like big picture items and stuff and make sure that somebody's looking down the road, you know what I mean? So that these guys can be in the weeds of the things that they need to do, uh, for, for the stuff. Yeah. So it's a really interesting business. Um, Real interesting, you know, to, to to learn who these people are behind the scenes, um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's its own that's its own like two hour long podcast in its own, <laughs> like working with some of the fo- some of the folks there. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that, not for another two hours, but <clears throat> like yeah. you're 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 running these businesses. I mean, Fixcraft Fixcraft just dissolved less than a month ago, but I mean. You you have how many how many employees do you have under you? Like you have people that work for you. Um, yeah, twenty five. Twenty five people 25. are like paying their rent and their mortgage based on yeah. what yeah. you got going on. Now, I guess my question for you is, I've always felt. Well, this isn't a question yet. This is me babbling about myself. It's not about me. <laughs> it's about the guest. But yeah. but to kind of set up what I want to talk to you about. I've always felt like I've had the entrepreneurial spirit. I never really had any good ideas. Um, but I always felt like I had the spirit to do it. Never had the guts. Never, never, had, never, had, never had the balls, so to speak, to step out from underneath that safe umbrella that includes benefits and knowing the 9 to 5. I'm in the service industry, so I, 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 know, I know where my first stop is tomorrow. I know where I'm going. I don't have to big picture anything, you know? Um, have you always been that kind of a guy that like, are, are you the, like, I can't work for somebody because I need to be in control sort of a person or is this something that you arrived at? Um, I mean, I think I've always been like this when, okay. um, uh, Dan from second nature records, um, he, uh, he's, he's been a buddy of mine since kindergarten. So okay. we, we grew up together. Um, even when I was in middle school, I got into skateboarding. I had to create a skate zine. It's the only thing I knew how to do. I didn't take any money for it, but I, I had to. I just had to be a part of it, and I had to contribute to it because I loved it. And then I started my own skateboarding company, um, Reaction Skateboards. And so I was selling. I was designing and creating and selling local skateboards to local kids. Then I got into hardcore, and then like my my interest changed from skateboarding to hardcore. Um, and then, you know what I mean? And then that whole making records fulfilled that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, in retrospect, I have no idea. It's real weird to think that I didn't start second nature with Dan Askew. It's, it's, it's interesting because like mm-hmm. we're always such best buds and I'd love to own a business with him. I'd love to work with him in some capacity, but, um, but we always separated even though we were best friends. We just never really worked on businesses together. Um, but I, you know, there is, I mean, I do have a, I, I did work. I, I was also um, self-employed wallpaper hanger by trade. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's I mean that's what I was doing when I first started the band. Was uh, I would come home and I would I would hang wallpaper for people. Okay. 
hated it. Totally hated it. Um, but I, but I did appreciate the ability to not have a cap on how much money I could make. So if I wanted more money, I, I just had to work harder. Um, that's that's what's always been fascinating to me about entrepreneurs is you pretty much have to decide. Like at some point during the day, you have to decide. Okay, I'm I'm not I'm not going to make money anymore. I'm going to go home now and have a piece yeah. of chicken and watch a game or something. You know what I mean? And like yeah. and like I how how do you do like like when you're not an entrepreneur and you have a jobby job. I already know how much money I'm going to make tomorrow, unless there's an hour worth of overtime thrown my way because shit went sideways and I got to go do it. But, but for the most part, I can budget myself and everything. Whereas when you're in sales or when you're in like, like you having business businesses plural, you at one point have to decide it's time for me to go home and play Scrabble with my kids. You know, how do you shut that off, dude? Like, how do you? How do you? Well, you know what I mean. It. It it gets older with age. <laughs> yeah. okay. it, it used it used it used to be hard, and my brain used to not be able to shut off, and and it, it was an issue. But, um, but like with age, I think comes, um, I mean, because my business is comfortable. I'm comfortable now. Mm-hmm. I'm not rich. I'm not rich or anything by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right. But um, I'm I'm comfortable. So like I am. You know, I, I can I, I'm I can tend to be lazy. Whereas when I was starving, I was the most productive and probably the most happy I've ever been. Which is weird to think that I was happier when I was struggling and, and couldn't pay my bills. Yeah. Whereas when you're more comfortable, you know what I mean. It's like that you have to re, you have to reinvent you know what your passions are going to be. And that's something I've been going through the past several years. You know, it's like figuring out like what's next for me. It was it was fixed craft and and. And I remember when Fixcraft, when it became clear to close Fixcraft, it was like, "What will replace this?" Because I have to, you know, I I have to have I have to be active because I can't. Yeah, I have a busybody. Right. But um, but you know, I you know when I before before I started my screen print business, I did work at um, Home Depot for two days. Um, they hired me on as their wallpaper expert at forty thousand dollars a year, which was an incredible amount of money for me, um, uh, back in 94 or no, 95 or 96, I think, because we, cause I was, you know, my wife was like, Hey, I mean, if I, am I being honest, my, my toy buying habit is really why we were short on money, you know, <laughs> all of the star Wars crap and spawn figures. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I, was completely out of control with it but my wife was like hey we're always short money this and that you know it's like what you need to you need to uh you know what if get like a real job basically right um grow up you know and never never, yeah yeah it never occurred to her to like invest back in or me either i'm not blaming this on her but like it never occurred on either one of us to invest into new uniforms for my business or invest in a new clean van for a business mm. oh hey how about stop smoking so when you go into these people's homes you don't smell like an ashtray you know and it's like there's all of these things i could have done to be a better um uh, like wallpaper hanger but i but i didn't so what i did was i said okay well i'll just take what i know from here and i'll just go work for someone else i'll just be a uh i'll just be an everyday joe and, and or whatever i was there two days and I, I i just hated it and i remember coming home and saying look i just quit I hated it so much. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start this other business. And I bought a press off of 
eBay with my dad for $200, and he drove me out to Colorado and, you know, put it in the basement and just started hustling with every band I knew. Let's back up, though. What what did you hate? So what was so horrible about the 9 to 5 wearing the orange apron? Hi, hi ma'am, can I help you? What what was just, just horrible? I think it's the – it's just – it's the it's the ceiling. It's like the – it's not even a glass ceiling. It's just a, it's a brick ceiling. It's like, this is it. It's like, it's, um, for me, it just felt like I've settled for this. Like I will never do anything ever again. I will, I'm, I am not in control of my own destiny ever again. There's literally nothing I can do here other than exist here to to create more revenue for myself or, any new projects and stuff, and that's not and that's not a slight towards people who want to save, um, you know, income because I understand that and I definitely understand it this this year, and you know what? I, if there were more safe jobs for people, like I mean, that's that's the goal, right? Of every administration in the White House is, is to do what they can to create those to to help people. You know what I mean? Uh, so be more secure in, so in, in, in life. So I, they say. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, it's like, like for me, it's like, I'm, it's, it's was, I, I just, it's not who I am. It's like, I just can't go. I can't even just like, I just, you know, and as I'm sure my pastor looks at this as a flaw, but like, I can't even like go into church and they have some project without being like, okay, well, we're going to do this and we're going to add this and this is going to market it. This, like, that's how my brain works. Right. It's like, as soon as they said, hey, we're going to have a coffee house, immediately I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to donate aprons, shirts, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do it. It's just how my, it's just how my head works and I can't help it. You know, it's not, it's, it's just, it's just, the, it's just the way are it is. Are you afraid, you is know? there a part of you that's like, are you ever kind of dry i always use the term driving with your right foot on the brake uh, with your uh, foot on the brake pedal is there a party that feels like I'm a, I'm a little i'm a little intimidated that i might be coming across as a dick but tr- trust me i know how to do this better than you <laughs> i am i am well aware i am hyper aware that i am perceived as a dick i have no shortage of people from the coalesce days that <laughs> didn't tell me what an asshole I was or, you know, or I started controversy because I had this idea or, or, or whatever. I, I know I'm unlikable at church. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I get it. I, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I mean, I'm, and I get down on myself too, just like other people, you know, I love that Robert Patson quote because I, because I, uh, I, I, you know, relate to it. It's like nobody's hates Sean Ingram more than Sean Ingram. It's like I know, I, <laughs> I know I'm a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like there's nothing you can say mean about me that I, you know, I don't understand already. Right, you know what right. I mean? So you can't, like, you so, can't insult so have, me because I already stood in the mirror this morning while I was shaving and yelled at yeah, myself for the yeah, same yeah. shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude, yeah, I so totally relate with just that. Like, <laughs> so it's just like, so I, I get it. You know, so so the then. Then the question is, is like, you know, you know, do I get, do I get offended when people are offended? Do I get offended when people are rude to me because they thought I was rude to them? So like, that's just, that's been a big struggle for me over the past two years, you know, to just, you know, and that was, that's kind of like my newest resolution this year is to just learn how to get along with people 
that I don't agree with. Like we've got a guy at church that is, I mean, he's a really hardcore, like right wing, like just a very cruel Republican. You know what I mean? The way, and, and by Republican, I don't mean like a Republican from 20 years ago. I mean like this whole new thing that exists, this like really weird kind of alt-right thing that's like kind of coming up. It's real weird. I don't understand it, but like I haven't really wanted to understand it because I remember it was like going to shows with Nazis. You know what I mean? So like just seeing it in general scares me uh, all, all together. But like to me, like I want to learn how to – I want to learn how to coexist with this person without conforming to this person's point of view to, for him to like, maybe like me or whatever. Can I, you know can what I mean? Throw something like, out, I, can I, I throw something out there? This is me being a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have the same, believe me, I, I have the same conversations with people same way. It's that, it's that personality of yours that, that, uh, this is the way you come across. But I don't think, I don't think you, I mean, I'm not telling you what came out of your mouth is wrong, Sean Ingram, but <laughs> the whole, like, I don't know how to relate with it, I don't agree with that. I think you know exactly what it is. You recognized it 20 years ago, but you forgot it was there. Now, we've given license for it to kind of rear its ugly head again, and it just feels new, but if you think about it, this shit ain't new. So, yeah, but like, but think about it. 20 years ago, it was a skinhead with a swastika. He, he was more uh, obvious. On his, on a, it was obvious. Right. And nothing he said was reasonable. But like this whole new Trumpism era is like you've got like in-laws that are otherwise reasonable in areas that you would agree that – yeah, it's reasonable. And that's where I don't understand it. It's like, because you're it's, an adult now. Yeah. Because you were at shows and the <laughs> Nazi showed up with the swastika in Sharpie on his forehead because you were at a show. It's the same reason he was standing next to a, a dude with long hair and, and hoop earrings and an obituary shirt. It, it, now we're adults. Yeah. Now we're kind of dealing with like the ins and outs of people who work at Home Depot and have to go buy... Uh, adulty things and they're dealing with foster children and they're de- you know we're dealing with adult... We're adulting, as the term is. Yeah. And and to, and then yeah. and then when this rears its head in the midst of that, you go, huh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought we were sitting down to have Thanksgiving and just eat some turkey. What what the hell is this alt right <laughs> bullshit all about, dude? It's always been there. Yeah. You just did. You haven't seen it like this in so long that it's it does kind of backhand. It does kind of smack you across the teeth when 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 you hear it from. A relative or something like that, but but the sad in 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 my experience, the saddest part of this is that the shit never went away, and now because it's always been there, but we have been so. How am I trying to say this? Uh, I'm really out on a limb here. I'm really going to piss people off, and I don't give a fuck, frankly. <laughs> but I, it's we've. We've just learned to just suppress that and keep it down. And last November, I feel like maybe people took that as permission to not submit. They don't have to push that down anymore. They're allowed to let it back out. Well, I will agree with that. I will agree with that 100% that like it gave license because I don't think I don't think during Obama's presidency, um, Charlottesville would have happened in a million years. Um, 
you know, like it, it does. I, I do agree with that. And you, and you kind of see it, you know, like in Lawrence, there's this truck that now all of a sudden, um, uh, posts like a, a Southern flag, like in his bed, it's like a big, loud, annoying truck. I'm a, I'm a truck guy myself, but this is like, this guy's like basically puts this like full size flag and then he tears down because Lawrence has a, um, a reputation of being a very liberal hippie town and stuff just oh, to okay. annoy people. So, so like that, so like doing it, he's basically just flying it and that type of thing. And then like a bunch of stickers from, Oh, Infowars that, uh, conspiratorial, uh, nonsense website came on and they started putting them out. But it's really interesting too, because like the local people like immediately took them all down. They're like, you know what? We're not going to look at this. But, um, but yeah, but to me, that's the thing that's been, that, that has been interesting because like, I just feel like it was more, I feel like when you, I mean, cause you know, it's wrong, but like, I just feel like it was just so clear 20 years ago, whereas like, it's so muddled with just with, with people that like, you know, you know what I mean? And you know, or maybe that's it. It's like, it wasn't people you knew back then. It's just like, Oh, you know, whispering whoever or whatever, you know, Dick Tracy name the skinhead had, you know, in your local scene, you know, it's like, you knew is like bad guy. You know what I mean? Whereas like these other, it's like all, it's all more, it's like, well, this is somebody I love that's saying bad things. You know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like it's more confusing for people, you know, yes, it is. Uh, to call it out. Yes, it is. I think 20 years ago, if a relative of mine would have said, I came across, I came across this young gentleman who's now in charge of, and this is legit. This is actually in my family. This conversation happened. Um, they switched managers now, and there's this black guy in charge now. He's really nice, though. With that kind of a <laughs> backhanded, those. that kind of a backhanded, like, yeah, but I found the one nice one, you know. Uh, twenty years, like, you know, twenty. I mean, I, oh, hold on, twenty years ago. Yeah. Comparing that to the Nazi skinhead at the show in Allentown, where I'm from, would you know that didn't even blip on the radar. Now the exact same statement is you can't say that are you kidding me because now it's always been there it's always been there if anything i almost respect the constants of it huh yeah i yeah i won't i won't you know when you say that about the about the the black manager and stuff i i i think it's true i i I hear a bunch of like really weird racist stuff like that all the time my dad's racist (laughs) I mean, my dad's wicked racist. I mean, dude, just in bomb, bombs is like just, just not. Yep. I mean, that's just not normal. Um, my sister is actually married to a black dude. Um, guy puts us to shame. Treats my treats my sister so much better than I could ever treat my wife. Right. It's embarrassing to go over here. What she got for her Valentine's Day or her birthday. Um, so, 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 so in other like words, she's married to a black guy, but but he, he's 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 nice though. Like. We have to. No, ex- no. We have to excuse not, him from. No, 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 no. This dude like is like better than me. No, no. What I'm I know that. I know that. This, but what I'm saying is, is yeah. the statement that I alluded to before was, we have to assume that they won't be nice. But your sister lucked out and found the one nice one. You know what I mean? So that's super that, gross. That wasn't my. That wasn't my intention. My intention was to 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 paint a picture of who he was. Not not. Qualifying, but like gotcha. my, but my, my, what I was gonna try to say is that um, it did that. Like my parents actually didn't go to her wedding, and oh, they were man. estranged for like um, a really long time and stuff. 
And so it has been interesting to see my mom because she didn't go to she didn't go to their wedding um, because she was I mean she said it was for other reasons but I mean she she didn't like the idea of like a black uh, son-in-law and um, but as time has gone on like history has kind of like evolved like so it wasn't because of that it was because they were living together and she's Catholic and she actually. You know, you know what I mean? That type of yeah. thing. Whereas my dad, so like, it's interesting to see, like, um, some people come around. So like, um, I think my mother-in-law's, um, uh, or I, yeah, her, she just got married. They're really, they're much older now, but he, I think was like that, like how you would, you know, like would qualify somebody like that, right. like how you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think he's kind of, he's kind of come around, which is interesting with my mom, both of them together. Probably pretty diehard Republicans twenty years ago, thirty years ago, but are now um, they think very they think very differently and stuff, and they and they're ashamed. I think of of how they talk, you know what I mean, yeah. and how they how they treated them, and so they have reinvented history. My dad, on the other hand, nothing changed. You know what I mean? I got he, he's in an old folks' home, and he's with a bunch of um, uh, other vets and stuff, and. He just, I mean, he's still, he's still just as awful. Yeah, I hear it, um, I hear it on a daily basis but, with my oh, job. I hear the most racist shit come out of people's mouths, and I'm like, oh, yeah. there's no point in arguing with a 79-year-old dude. It's just, yeah, you almost have to, you know, I hate to say I, it like this, but you have to wait it out, because that's ingrained, and it's not going to change, you know? This, this, this process of it's, changing people's minds isn't a relay switch. You don't, you don't think a certain way on, the, on, on Thursday, and then on Friday wake up and go, Man, that's some racist shit. I'm gonna stop that now. Like it doesn't it doesn't happen that way. It it it's a long process. Like you said, people come around. It takes people 20, 30, 40 years to realize, wow, I guess I shouldn't yeah. talk like that, you know? Well sometimes there's sometimes. it's I mean it it's it's happening. Yeah. Even only one person, you know, but it's but yeah, it's been really it's I tell you what, it's you know, I thought the Bush era was bad, but like this has just been just chaos every day it's like i make the joke it's like i just i read the news to see if like you know like what like are you still gonna be here tonight like what is going on i know you I know? know now we're comparing button sizes like it's just a matter of time I before know. one of them goes all right click <laughs> and um, some city that you have played with your old band is gone you know yeah fuck man yeah um you mentioned yeah, it's crazy you mentioned church numerous times and um what um what denomination? What kind of church do you go to? Oh, I go to uh, I go to it's a local church here in Lawrence. It's called Greenhouse Culture. It's just a non-denominational um, church. Uh, it's it's a new plant by a buddy of mine that used to play um, in bands around town and stuff. He's always uh, always been involved with like churches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty interesting church. Um, a lot of really interesting people there and stuff. Uh, it's a big mix, just like most, you know, churches are, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's nothing, it's nothing like, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not like Episcopal or Catholic or anything right. like that. It's just right. like, yeah. yeah. Where, have you always, have you always had, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you call yourself Christian. Have you always had faith, even back in the Coalesce days? Were, were those coming from the, uh, from the perspective of a man with a with a religious faith. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah even all the way even all the way back to the first seven inch. It was from the uh, perspective of someone with faith, um, a, a Christian faith. But like, hmm. um, I got really into like Krishna consciousness, 
like a lot of other dumb kids did back way back in the day in like 90 to 92 maybe um jess was really into that stuff too he actually lived at actually i'd, I'd go pick him up at one of the things in st louis and get him out um him and his wife or no it's philadelphia and then he lived at the one in st louis the krishna temple um i, I have a very little i have a very little opinion of krishna conscious people that i've met um including ones in popular bands i i very very frightened i feel really bad for him um it's just like a very very scary to me uh, but uh i came from that and then i studied all of that stuff and then it just i don't know i who knows why you do things when you're like 17 16 but but um but anyways when i left that um i was actually raised catholic um, so I had that as a foundation, um, you know, and it just, it just took a long time to like, kind of like understand, you know, how I felt about all that stuff and, you know, my place in it and stuff. But, uh, church is still hard for me to go to. I know it's hard. I, I don't always get along with people. I, I'm trying, uh, you know, I don't, I, you know, when you hear like these people say their kids go to heaven every night, you know, like this kid on the book, I'm, I will call bullshit on it. I'm just like guys, come on, you know this isn't this isn't witchcraft. This isn't like don't make things up because it cheapens the things that are real. And so I just I I have those are the types of problems I have and stuff. Um, interesting. Yeah. Very so, I don't very know. interesting to me. I, I I came up I came up Christian. I came up non-denominational. Sounds like the church you go to is imagine the church you go to. Picture you ever see any of the little toddlers, the four or five year olds running around. Uh, what do you mean by running around? Just like, 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 I mean, just you've got little tiny kids that are like submersed in this, and this, this, they came up as from the beginning in this type of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. My wife did too. That was me. That was my me. wife. Was yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you do like the whole like speaking in tongues thing and no. like all of the? No, I don't do any of it anymore. Like, no. I well, but like as a kid, as a kid, you grew you grew up with I it. I grew up with it. I was surrounded by submersed in it absolutely yeah. on a daily basis. I would I would spend. Six and a half days listening to my parents fight, wondering if we were going to lose the house or if they were going to kill each other, and then we would all clean up and, and go to church and put on the put on the Sunday morning mask. I'm sure it's a term you've heard before. And um, oh yeah, you know we'd put up the fake plastic bullshit and uh, do what we had to do in front of people, and then go home and fight on the way to the diner after church. And I was like, yeah. man, wore off yeah. pretty quick, huh? And um, <laughs> uh, I only started questioning the stuff a couple of years ago. In my forties, I'm your age. I'm I'm born in seventy five, so um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm just coming around to it now that I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure I I am not sure the concrete ever hardened. In my opinion, yeah, I, I'm I'm not uh. I'm not into it at all. <laughs> huh. Well, you know, uh, did you ever hear about that TV show with Jay Baker, Jim Baker's son, um, son of a preacher? Preacher son. I know I of Jay Baker. That that's about it. I was told to not. So, I was told to not listen to him because he's, of course, accepting to homosexuals and open-minded, and that's that's bad. So don't listen to him. Well, you know? the 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 thing that's interesting about him is actually not not so much him. I don't know much about him, but um, one of his um one of his uh for his church during that show. I guess it was like five or six years ago. A uh, gentleman's name was Matt De Benedictus, real nice guy. Oh, out there in Atlanta. I know him. Yeah. I remember him. So, like after that, sh- after that show, they just they 
they just decided that they um, were atheists, which I thought was interesting. So wow. whatever happened on that show completely decimated their faith 100%. Like, just, I mean, just literally 100%. Everyone who ran that church um, had some, I don't, I don't know what the disillusion was. I, it's been so long since I've talked to them. Um, and it was too fresh at the time, you know, but I, I worked with them on their, on their church, like their merchandise and stuff like right. that. That's how I knew them. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see that that's what transpired after the t-shirt, after, after the show ended. Um, they, they basically gave up their faith 100%. Uh, maybe not Jay. And like I said, I don't know if that's true. I just, I just only know about Matt and I think there's a couple other people from behind the scenes, but he was on the, sh the TV show and stuff. Wow, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, yeah, no. It's hard, man. It's like it's like I can. I mean, I can. You know, I can have some really amazing conversations with my wife. You know, things will make sense. You know, we'll, we'll dive into scripture. We'll like, you know, see how we apply it to our life and stuff like that. And then I can do the same thing with a group of people from church. And it, like one conclusion is, hey, we need to give us more of ourselves, and we need to be more you know, helpful. And then like the same people at church can have the conclusion, like I'm going to keep my money, but I'm going to smile at people more. And like, it's like really difficult to like, I like, I don't understand how to like, cause I'm not, you know, I don't like to argue anymore. You know, I don't want to be combative. Anymore, right, right, but like, right. it's like, but I don't know how to be like, Hey, um, you know, I read it as this, you know what I mean? Right. But I mean, everybody comes to their own conclusions, you know what I mean? So, you know, so whatever, I mean, I don't know what people's, uh, motivations are, you know what I mean, when they're we're doing things and stuff, but I always get discouraged, you know, when I'm just like, hey, um, I usually do better when I can tell I'm <laughs> being convicted of something, yeah. you know what I mean, or when something does convict me, you know, I, I, I'm usually like, okay, this is probably right, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't usually get a pat on the back from God. I'm usually usually how it works for me is like, all right, I got to do more. Right. <laughs> you know, Dude, I got to never. I got to. I got to. I got to. I got to work harder. You know? It's never so, enough. Um, there's, there's, there's always so much. I mean, uh, I forget. I forget which nun it was, but she, she's she's quoted. She's quoted as saying, "It's not whether or not there's. It's not whether there is or isn't God. It's are people suffering, and what are you doing about it." It's got nothing to do. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with this bureaucratic bullshit that we're all arguing about. It has to do with the fact that there's foster kids across the street that need a fucking hot meal. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, and you and, know? and and it's and it's interesting too because it's like it's. Um, I think they. I think a lot of churches do want to create a culture. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and I think in the past, uh, I don't know how you felt about. Christian bands in the nineties, not, not like I was in Norma one. Jean or Sale. I was in one. What band were you in? Uh, what band uh, were you in? You, okay, uh, we were called Crutch, and then we had to change our name to Alathian. But it was we opened for Norma Jean and Zayo, Greater Philadelphia oh, so. tech metal area. Yeah. Okay, right. What year? What what year span was that? Nineties or mm, the aughts? Or? The aughts, late late ninety nine okay. to oh three. I was in it. Oh, uh, that was after my time. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was after my time. Yeah. Um, I got in week, late. Yeah, I got in late. I got, I got in when I should have been growing up and going home to get married. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a life experience, but anyway, right? It's anyway. like, yeah, I did yeah. the whole Norman well, Jean like, Zayo under oath, open for all them. Yeah, but but not not those bands, you know what I mean? Not bands where kids, because I feel like even I feel like I feel like that's. 
to me, like I always say, like what makes a punk band punk? And like to me, it's like it's like is it authentic? Is it you know what I mean? It's like to me, punk and hardcore were just other ways to describe like an auth- like authenticity. Mm-hmm. So I so I'm not talking about that genre of music, but you know what I mean? It's just like goofy. Like just like goofy mainstream Christian bands, you know what I mean? That were obviously designed by corporations or whoever or record labels to be the Christian version of, um, you know, of what Nirvana or the or Pearl Jam or whatever. You know what so, I mean? Yeah, it's it like, was like we we used to call them youth group on tour. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so it's like those things. It's like I, I like to me. It's like it's like when you when you want to create. A culture but the culture basically you just want to create the same culture but just put like you know a christian stamp on it and you're not creating anything new you're just you're just imitating the current culture yeah. it's like i just feel like i feel like i run into that problem with churches a lot unfortunately you know what i mean yeah. to where they're like well we're gonna have this christian thing and this christian that and you know and all that stuff and it's just like to me it's like i like honestly i would rather listen to the most shocking Eminem track than I would uh, like some worship song that was literally created by the hour by somebody who just, you know, farted it out because they knew that they would get every church to pay for it. You know what I mean? I do. So, because like, to the me, most shocking Eminem track will make you think and it will convict you. And the g- generic rolled off the it's assembly line track doesn't make you think. It just makes you feel good. It's like eating a piece of chocolate didn't do anything for your body you just had this weird euphoric chemical release that made you go ah this feels good and it doesn't feel good it's bad for you and it made you fatter and it clogged up your arteries more <laughs> well yeah right? yeah it's, it's, that's yeah so like that's like i go running around with my oldest son because he 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 doesn't know how to express it yet but he appreciates um authentic music so and he gets into like weird stuff too like um like he's like He's completely obsessed with like um, 80s pop. This 11 year old kid, and he's like, <laughs> he, knows awesome. he knows he knows everything about Flock of Seagulls and Susie and the Banshee. That's awesome. He's, you did it he's right. Getting deeper. And no, deeper. that's great. He, I didn't do any of this. I didn't do any oh, of okay. this. I take no credit for this. All right. He's like actually he's teaching me some of this stuff, and so like he's like he's getting into these deep cuts now and stuff like that, and like and he he. And he, he can't explain why he likes these certain tracks better than others. And he loves hip hop, but he doesn't like like cheesy stuff. You know what I mean? It's like he like he just you know he's just always wanting something that makes him feel something. And um, you know, Chayla and I, you know, my wife will will get in a you know back and forth. She's like, I don't want to listen to this anymore because what he's saying is bad. And I'm just like, but what he's saying is just real. Right. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, but it, if it's real you know what I mean? I don't have a problem with it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it, it, it's, you know, and I mean, sometimes I got some, like, my God, Cardi B makes me blush. I got to turn it off sometimes though. It's just like, like, come on guys. <laughs> we don't need to like, like physically have sex on, you know, yeah. on the air, you know, yeah. on some of these songs, you. you know, but like, we have to, we have to cool it. You know, there's limits, you know, but like in general, you know, that's like something that's been, interesting to see and stuff so and it's also cool to see like 11 year old who um doesn't understand why he loves something but you know why and you can see why he loves it you know yeah i you know you know talking about you know i mentioned earlier it's like you know about starting a podcast that was always my idea for a podcast i'll never do it but was to actually listen to music with like a 15 year old or 11 year old and like 
like like play like in, like influential songs from your childhood or punk or whatever for the very first time and get the reactions and actually talk to me like well, what did you think of this and what you know what i mean and like i thought i mean how cool would it be to hear somebody hear bad dreams for the first time ever they're doing that on facebook Facebook a lot i think you're on to something but you can't do it as a podcast because you're not going to be able to visibly be able to capture the kids facial need to see the nuances yeah okay but like kids listen to acdc for the first time kids listen to iron maiden for the first time kids listen to um uh whatever for the first time some of the hip-hop artists and stuff um and you get to see the kids because kids don't give a fuck what you think and kids will do they'll do that twisty face where they're just like Argh! and they're listening to the intro to the trooper from iron maiden and i'm all like air guitar and, nah, 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 and they're making and they're making their face like Argh! like this is terrible and they don't like it Argh! reject they're out of it they're totally not into it at all and i'm like but 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 i mean I could spend the rest of my night pleading my case as to how important that is or whatever. And they're just like, I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. And, and, and they don't, they don't care. They're not, you have to get their facial expressions. So your podcast should probably be like a vlog. Uh, okay. <laughs> but it, well, I'll never do but it. it but anyway, that's not the bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I just can't even imagine like, I mean, I don't even know why I got into the things I did, you know, like even before hardcore, it's like nothing. I mean, I, I got into you know, the Christian I, thrash I, I didn't listen to anything. I got into the Christian, What's that? Christian thrash. I got in. The only thing I was ever on the ground floor of is Christian thrash metal. Like, like I got into, <laughs> I got into Master of Puppets after Injustice for All came out. Ugh. I got into, oh, okay. I got into, I got into Minor Threat. So late, like I like I didn't listen. I didn't listen to legit hardcore like post punk stuff till I was like twenty four. I didn't get I didn't get into classic rock. I didn't listen to Zeppelin and the Beatles until I was like in my twenties. Like I was behind on everything except in nineteen eighty seven and nineteen eighty eight. I was at the inception of like Believer, Tourniquet, Vengeance, all that stuff. I was right there. I was standing there with a catcher's mitt, handed to me, thrown over the plate. Right and kind of sad. It's kind of super awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was my own little thing because the big four, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer, I was like, um, Tourniquet, Believer, Vengeance, and Deliverance or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I was I was totally <laughs> yeah. on the ground floor of that stuff. And um, it was all mimic of the other real stuff. It was Deliverance was the Metallica ripoff and you know, whatever. But but I, I was there for that stuff and, and you just accepted it as the the scene the scene that came with it and the whole like this this podcast I re- God Almighty I try so hard not to make this podcast be the Christian metal podcast I really do make an effort but here we go again I'm talking about the same stuff again um, and I don't know how many episodes you've listened to if and and zero is an acceptable answer but I feel like I've had this conversation before with multiple guests but I feel like when you listen to Metallica for the first time. It's just Metallica. When you listen to uh, a Christian metal band for the first time, you bring in all this extra baggage with it of, like, it's Christian. It's got, like, this weird Jesus fish looming over it. You know what I'm saying? It just has, yeah. it just has this weird aura of, like, this is, the, this is the right stuff. 
that's the wrong stuff. It automatically starts to build that weird wall between us and Mexico. You know? Yeah. And and, yeah. and God, it takes forty years. It you, takes forty years to rip that wiring out, man. I'm telling you, it's 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 a rough journey. Did you did you now have you have uh, I listened to a little bit of Ryan Downey's uh, podcast, but like, did you did you have did you speak with the dudes from Norma Jean? I interviewed Corey a long time ago. Okay, it was more of like a okay. Hey, cool, I'm talking to Corey. Really, we didn't we didn't go super deep. Okay, I was just curious, like how those bands, because like I'm, I thought that those, those, because am I, am I right or am I wrong? I don't know. Hmm. But didn't like Norma Jean? Didn't they have like, are they considered a Christian band or were they like, hey, we, we're a faithful band, but we, you know, we're not tied in with all of this uh, culture it's stuff. Funny, or, funny or, you should ask it that way. Nobody ever wants to commit to it. Nobody, barely anybody says they want to uh, be a spirit-filled band. They, they, they're like, yeah, we're on solid state, but. <laughs> and then there's the, yeah. this long diatribe of how like they want to talk themselves out of yeah we're on a Christian label but it's not really a Christian label we're not really a Christian band but some of us are Christians and eh. there's always like this weird um, this this weird like nobody ever wants to let the concrete harden side of it you know and, so so we almost signed a solid state <laughs> before we lapse we actually no shit uh, talked about talked to Brandon Evil about signing to Solid State. Um, that was during, that was after Jess exited uh, Krishna Consciousness and um, it become like, uh, he'd become a born-again Christian and all this stuff and um, he felt like it would be great to work on that. We actually talked to Brandon Evil. Was, we ended up signing with Relapse, but the only thing I remember from the thing was is Brandon Evil wanted final say on um uh, language and or uh, cuss words, I think, in the songs. Okay. Um, and then uh, I get that. And then we never we never responded back because because again, right there, like you just like to like like if you're in a band um, like Coalesce, it's like you you I mean it's its own thing. You have to let it be free. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you can't. You you just have to like let it go, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously from Ryan Downey's podcast, the opening story. I mean, that's I mean that happened with Jess. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jess was a wild man. So like, you know what? Like the idea that you would you would like curtail it and stuff. But, I, I um, never listened to Downey's podcast. I, what 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 are you referring to? Um. Well, it was. Uh, oh, he just. Uh, I would just actually. I'd just have people go look it up. And so that they listen to your podcast. It's your podcast with Downey. Oh, I thought you meant Downey's podcast. I'm sorry. The episode. No, your no, 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 your podcast. Oh, the, the, the thing where he was jerking off under the guitar. Yeah. The, oh, the thing. got it, got yeah, it, got thing, it, got yeah. it, got it. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, the, like we're just like, like we're the, all gonna sit here and pretend none of us masturbated. Knock it the fuck off. Like yeah, be yeah, real yeah. for a minute, you know. So, so like this, but the thing is, is like it's like. There's like just a lot of wildness to it and stuff. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. obviously things that I, I would have never done in a million years, like on a band. But like, I mean, everybody's perception in the band was like very different because it, I mean, you're very young and you're full of all this passion. And I mean, it's like you've got you know you're just really into what you're doing, you know. And like, I mean, sometimes the shows would be like trances or or whatever, you know. But um, like to me, it's like the idea that you would you would you know you you would 
say you can and can't do something. You know, no label ever in the history of our band ever told us what we could or couldn't do. But that's what like kind of made it like kind of clear right. and kind of illustrated. It's like, oh, okay, they want the Christian converge or like whatever they had in their mind. Yeah. You know, at the time, it's like maybe we can you do this stuff. Um, but uh, anyways, but I want to ask you this: what? Do you remember? a Zayo DVD that was Brain and Evil banned or tried to get come returned or something. I, is this, any of this ring a bell? Because uh, I want to tell you what I... Any of this ring a bell? No. I mean, not to me, but I mean, like, I, I know Zayo's always been I, on, the, on the, the razor's edge of controversy when it comes to the Christian versus not Christian stuff. But as far as Brandon, Brandon trying to pull a DVD back, no, I never heard that before. I'm, I'm not saying so not true I, either. I'm just saying I never heard of it. I, I'm telling you that I have some weird Zayo DVD, and it's like it's like on the road, and there's like a lot of stuff I know that they would not be happy with the label with and stuff. And then someone mentioned like, oh yeah, that got pulled, and it's not supposed to be out and stuff. I have no idea. I just have it. I just I actually ran across it last month when we were moving our offices and stuff. Dude, mail. Um, dude, I'll, they, say, I'll text you my address. Mail it to me. I will watch it, and I will mail it back to you. I want to see that. I'm, I'm very good friends I, with all the dudes in Zayo, and I, I, I want to know what yeah. the title is, and I'll ask I'll ask Scott and Dan and all that. Yeah, let me let me see where Burton put it. He may have he may have tossed it out because he, no. he threw skateboards and all that stuff away. Oh, but it's uh, is was it Jamie? Is he the drummer of Zayo? Uh, at the time, oh, Jesse was Jesse Smith was the drummer, Jesse. and he's he hasn't been the drummer for forever now. Now the for, oh, for one album okay. it was Stephen Peck, and then and then since uh, since they moved to Ferret, um, Stephen Peck did the uh, funeral. Uh, Funeral of God album, and then Jeff Gretz has been the drummer since then. He's been the drummer for like 10, 11, 12 years or something. So, oh, okay. Yeah, not. Yeah, isn't that weird? And I, I always think of Jesse as the drummer, and it's weird because it was the same thing. It's like, you Je- shouldn't remember because I think, I think Jeff's been a drummer longer than Jesse was at this point. I know. <laughs> well, I, yeah, like, uh, like, uh, like when Ox came out, uh, Junior was actually a drummer longer than James Deweese was. Mm-hmm. But people will always remember James Deweese as the drummer. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was, I thought that, yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, because, because uh, wasn't, wasn't Zayo his brainchild? Didn't he, wasn't like his band and then he, yeah. like, he put it together. Yeah, he he was the and last I, remaining uh, member to be in it, and he hasn't been in the band since two thousand. I'm I'm gonna stab at it and say five, four in there somewhere. So Zayo is actually one of those bands that exists, and none of the original members are in it anymore. So it's like uh, um, Napalm Death. There you go. They yeah, I don't have anything. Yeah. Okay, is, is is Jesse doing another band? Um. Most recently, I just saw him play with uh, Jesse Smith and the Holy Ghost. Uh, they just opened. Oh. They opened for Zayo. I mean, everybody's cool with each other. They're friends and everything. And Jesse's cool. I know him. I mean, like I, I, he, I got no problems with the guy. But um, I think that was Jesse Smith and the and the Holy Ghost's last show, quote unquote. So I think okay. he totally built a band back up, toured, and then it kind of stopped and. And since that show in Harrisburg, which was like ah, September, maybe, um, I, I ain't heard from the dude since. I don't know what he's up to. So, but but it's only been four months since he had like a touring oh, band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was just. Kidding. But he's not playing drums anymore. Now he's like a. He did like the Dave Grohl lead singer guitar. Now. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He like he he led the band. And did a great job too. Like the band was kind of killer. They they were they were they were a great band, but I don't I don't think I don't think they're a thing anymore. I might be wrong, but yeah. But yeah, Jesse's still yeah. around. He's still kicking. He's uh, last I heard, he was uh, man. I did. You know, the bummer of it is, I never said this before. This is exclusive to the podcast. I did an entire interview with Jesse and um. Uh, with my old co-host, my uh, my cousin was actually the co-host of, of the show. We did an entire episode with Jesse, and he wouldn't let me air it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that really pissed me off. Dude, so was he was he was he upset about the interview? Yeah, he just said stuff. There was there was management stuff switching around with the with the current band, and he said oh. he said he didn't lie to me. I don't think the dude would lie to me, but he said stuff that they knew stuff was coming down the pike but couldn't say anything yet so he still had to almost play the role it sounded like a management thing and um and then he was like nah i don't, I don't want to put that out there because now things have changed earlier than we thought it was going to so now everything i said oh, is legitimate yeah. and i was like okay so what do i do with it edit out everything except hi how you doing okay thanks for talking to you goodbye and my podcast is four minutes long what do i do now and and so we the whole thing just got scrapped. So oh, I actually man. yeah I was actually going to be his first podcast and why not 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 <laughs> yeah that happens. What are you going to do? You know we got we got interviewed by this um, oh I can't remember the name of it it's in Montreal and maybe you know the name of this place but they they set up these interviews with you and then they just ambush you with like really like. Um, just like really stupid questions about UFOs and um, no, you know, and then they just like, oh my god, I, wish, I can't wish I could remember it. But they ambush I was you in with charge UFO of the questions. Why the hell are they doing that? Oh my god, it was so weird. It was in Montreal. It was like <laughs> it was like a kind of like a, a mid-sized like radio station okay. type thing, and then they did the. But the but yeah, it started out. <laughs> it started out, and it was just it was just so it was like they were just very insulting and. Um, just like not nice at all. Uh, like it's just they they were they were there. It was basically kind of like the they were looking for reactionary stuff before it was before YouTube basically. Okay. Of like, hey, I'm just I'm gonna insult a band, you know, and and see the response. Haha, ha, and that's so funny, type of thing. And it started out with it started out they started out on me, and I like after like a minute, I just said, hey, I'll be right back. I have to go. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And then Jess took it over. And then Jess is super Mr. Analytical stuff, and they're you know they're grilling him on like conspiracy theories and just really boring things like that, you know. And yeah, so <laughs> I think everybody walked out on that. And I then see. there was this other one I think we remember we did, where it was uh, a guy actually interviews you in character as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Does this ring a bell? No, at all. That sounds horrible. It was called. It was the governor's ball, I think it was what it's called, or the governor. Okay, that's fine. And he would call you and he'd go and he'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna interview you and I'm gonna be in character. And I said and I didn't understand it. What? And then I said, You're gonna interview me pretending to be Arnold Schwarzenegger? He's like, Yeah, and just be funny. I was like I was like, I already I'm not funny. Uh, this is not for me. I'm gonna I'm I'll funny. I'll let my drummer do it. So 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 he so the drummer gets on the phone and uh, he goes, Hello, this is Nate. Hi, nice to meet you. And then I just hear dead silence in the band. 
And then all of a sudden, Junior, he goes, he starts laughing. He goes, I'm sorry, man. I can't do it. It's just too stupid. And then he hangs up. That's the the worst idea I've ever heard. Oh, my God. I was just like, oh, my God. He tried to call back twice. But, like, I was like, it's like sometimes I was just like, we're just not good at this stuff. Like, it's like we can't do it. question i wanted to ask you was of i'm a huge coalesce fan i celebrate your entire collection why is zeppelin album so uh so zeppelin was really simple we um we wanted we the cre- creativity comes from jess like all of the songs creativity comes from like uh, like Jess is the starting point, then he then he brings it to Nate and or or Stacy, and then they put it all together, and then all the magic happens. So as far as like where where the next creative point comes from, um, that was Jess's decision. So we always looked at cover songs as like palate cleansers, and we used to always love to do a record and then do a cover, record cover, record cover, whether it was released or not. Um, and so, uh, when that happened, it started, really, it started out as just said, Hey, I want to do this thing for my dad. I want to play like magic carpet ride and all of these other different songs. He had, he had a whole track listing of like eight songs and there was only one Zeppelin song on the list. And I don't remember what Zeppelin song it was, was the one that was first one was on the list, but we started practicing that one first and it just like, it just lended itself to. Um, like Jess's style and like what he wanted to do. And we literally just, that we just scrapped the list and we just kept going. And then Aaron Turner was nice enough to fund it so that we could like actually put it out and stuff. Um, so more than anything, I mean, like to us, like, or especially to Jess, it's like, he just really, really, really loved to play other people's stuff that he really admired. That wasn't hardcore at all, but like put that same kind of passion that he had for Coalesce into mm-hmm. it. There were two songs that we played, we played on the tour all the time that we never actually recorded. Actually, it's well, two, yeah. So there was, um, we did a uh, Jimi Hendrix song. Right on. Which one? And then we did, um, you know, this is terrible. I can't remember. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember. It, it seems like the word purple was in the name. or Boys. Um, they, maybe not it wasn't one of the more well-known ones it was kind of a deep cut okay um but <clears throat> i i can't remember i'm sorry don't be and then we also did uh fagazi uh we did um oh what was the first track of the fagazi of the of the white album of the, the was uh the, the, the repeat maybe it was repeater repeater? It was repeater it was repeater that's what it was yeah it was repeater oh. so we covered repeater and when we covered Repeater, we covered it faithfully. We didn't scream. We did it. We did it like just note for note. And it's not. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing. It was really cool. And so like we we had a we had a. Um, I remember we had one show like you know you can always tell when people don't know the song you're playing because they just stand still and stare at you. <laughs> and I remember on that tour, 
when we played and like people were standing still and staring at us. And I was like, I was like, don't Fugazi's too old for the crowd in the year 2009. But like a lot of the kids really actually in that scene and some of the scenes we we're playing, they weren't familiar with Fugazi. Yeah. Like Fair. they were just like, well, what was that song you played? And it's like, it's like, I know they didn't recognize the song because it was played faithfully. It wasn't like we got too crazy on sure. it or anything, but we even had like the, um, we even had like the megaphone for the distortion parts. Oh, right I mean, on. we, yeah. we treated, yeah, we we treated it with utmost respect and stuff. So there was that. But that's that's how the Zeppelin thing came. And you know, we did we used to love to cover our band songs too. There was so exciting to just uh, like rewrite a Get Up Kids song or rewrite, um, you know, you know, uh, what was that Boy Sets Fire was the name of that band, yep. and just like other different stuff like that. It's like. It was, it was just exciting was always, and new. That was always fun to really, listen to it, with you guys covering each other's songs. My God, that was so much fun to listen to. Nobody was really doing that back then. Right, so, like, we were in, in Especially not a hardcore band and an emo band. Right. So doing something interesting like that, was we just love to do that. I remember but yeah, that's what the Zeppelin Fire thing. doing more of a, a, I am no one, I am nothing. And then you guys doing it was like, no, I am not. And I was just like, yes, this yeah. even somehow coalesced it. Yeah, that's fired that better than Boys That's fired. <laughs> that was that might have been Matt Pryor from Get It Kids. Okay, if I'm right, I think he, I think he helped with that. I think he actually had. I think that was actually Matt Pryor from the Get It Kids helping with vocals on that. I'd have to look it up. Okay, but um, but yeah, Matt Pryor's always been a nice friend. Yeah. Um, you know, help us out and stuff. Yeah. You know, see him at work all the time. Nice guy. But um, but yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That's really where that the Zeppelin, the Zeppelin thing. I I think you guys stand alone with the whole. I did an EP of a classic rock, a classic. I mean, you didn't cover like some obscure. It's Zeppelin, like God Almighty. Everybody's heard Led Zeppelin, so like you guys kind of stand alone with the whole like we did an EP of covers our style with their stuff. I, I don't I don't know of anything else like that that came out of that era. So uh that was always yeah. something I don't I don't either. <laughs> that was that was always something where if people were like that was always one of my whip them out tricks with like <laughs> listen to this. You know, cuz no no one's heard that record before and I'm like you should you should check out what Coalesce did to this, you know. I just I just always wondered what the hell was going through your head when you did that, you know. And, um, it's just just uh, just mate writing something for his dad, and then <laughs> honestly, all the Western stuff later in Ox was because it, he wanted to pay homage to um, uh, where we came from, the Midwest, and and also I think something that was connected with his dad as well. Okay. So um, yeah, so the Ox, Ox, the, the sound of Ox played into that a little bit as well. Same 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 point of origin. Basically. second thing I was going to bring up was um, sometimes when I get a guest on that's a little bit in a band that was a little bit more popular, I text some of my prior guests that are, were a little bit more popular bands and ask them, hey, do you have any questions? Um, I know 
I heard about I heard about Dillinger right around the same time that I heard about Coalesce. I fell in right around the same time. Uh-huh. I actually heard Coalesce for the first time on a very distribution comp, and it was a nice. It was an it was a it was like nothing else on that entire comp. It was like twenty eight bands on there, and I was like, "Who the hell is Coalesce, and why do I not have everything they've ever done?" So that's where I first got you guys, but. I contacted Lee, uh, I contacted Liam, and um, Liam, yeah. yeah, and he told me um, his story, his coalesce story was. Um, no, I don't really have any questions for Sean, but it is interesting that I <laughs> I just went to see Coalesce in New Jersey the night before, and then they were playing in Philly. Everybody sw- makes that swing when they come through Jersey, and then they hit Philly, right? Or vice versa. The other uh, karate, karate club, right? Or I don't know. He didn't mention which club. I don't know. Karate? But he said, Uh-oh. he said, um, I just went. I went all the way to New Jersey to see Coalesce, and I was planning on going to see Coalesce again when they came to Philly. And my friend told me, "Oh my God, this Coalesce tour is amazing. Make sure you don't get to the show in Philadelphia late. You have to check out the opener." And guess who the opener was in Philadelphia? Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, Dillinger Escape Plan? <laughs> the band that Liam joined later. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah so, so, dude, I, there's a story behind that story, that show. Hit me. So Liam wasn't in that. He, he wasn't in that. He wasn't in the band at that time, was he? That's, that's the, the so story joined, made it sound like he first saw Dillinger Escape Plan because he went to see Coalesce and Dillinger happened to be the opener for you guys. Okay. I'm, I'm almost confident I know what show it is. So okay. it was in Philly, and it was a squat. And it's the squat that the band Leftover Crack, I think, got in trouble for burning down. Does that ring a bell? Oh, he did mention it. Stalag 13. Is that right? It's Stalag 13, isn't it? Yes. Dude, so it was fucking crazy, dude. And it it was it was complete it was complete insanity. The the neighborhood was super scary. We drove through this weird cardboard um, like shanty town because we got lost to get to it, and we never seen anything like that mm-hmm. before. So by the time we got there, it was it was it, like as young as we were, never seeing that before. Like we were just kind of like freaked out, and um, and we knew that Dillinger Skate Plan was like the new hot Matthew band and stuff, and. Um, uh yeah we watched their show they fucking destroyed it dude they just they they killed it they absolutely killed it um and that that show a somebody showed up on the stairs because it was like a big open space and it had kind of like fire stairs going up the side there was a dude and he had a pit bull and his pit bull bit another guy and the guy who got bit took out his knife and started stabbing the pit bull. Oh my God. While our set was like, while our set was going on, uh, he did this. And if, and if somebody knows the story better than I do and they're listening to this and, and I'm, I'm telling it wrong. It's like, I'm, I'm going by the best of my ability <laughs> of my memory. I'm reaching deep, deep in the, in the archives for this email one. the show. But and I as do the know story this. grows a Gmail straighten Sean <laughs> Ingram out. Sorry. Sorry. I, I do know this. I do know that um, we used to always do this thing that if a fight broke out, um, like uh, uh, admittedly we did this wrong, 
But like to us, we never like quit a show when there was a fight going on. Like if there's a fight going on, we would say we were like, "Fuck it, we're playing. We're not stopping for the bullshit." That was that was that was our okay. look at it. Okay. Um, like in retrospect, as a forty year old person, it's just like that is throwing gasoline on a fire. You need to stop and get it. I realize that now, but we didn't do that back then. So that being said, we uh, would not. We saw the scuffle. We didn't know what was going on, but we said we're not stopping. We're keeping going. Figure shit out and get out of here. And so we found out later that this guy's dog got stabbed, maybe died. I don't know if that's the fact, but whoever owned the dog was so personally upset at me that we had death threats against us playing Philadelphia for a good 10 years oh after that show. It was so crazy. And and honestly, we, we, it's weird to say it now, but I mean, we actually had a lot of death threats against us. Um, especially from like the courage crew. We had, um, I know you're laughing. It's like, but dude, I had to take a million dollars worth of insurance out on me when you to go out on tour. We, um, you know, for for like all this stuff, it was it was real crazy. It's like, if do you remember the cruise thing? You know, the and the gangs, the straight edge gangs yeah, and all that stuff yeah, when it happened. Yeah, yeah, it was really big. It was really big. So it's like that whole thing was happening out in like Colorado and Salt Lake City. So I think somebody got killed at one of the shows with a broadsword, maybe. Um, and so there's like all of this crazy stuff going on, but, uh, anyways, that's, that's a totally different story. But like, um, but with Philadelphia and stuff, it's like every time we booked a show in Philadelphia, the promoter or somebody with it would be like, we've got somebody who's saying that, you know, that you did this to their dog or, or whatever. And, it's, and we'd always have to explain the story. No, we played Stalag 13. We didn't stop the show. We should have. It's our fault. But this this person hates us now because of it. And so that that was that show. And, um, man, no, Dillinger, Dillinger destroyed, dude. Yeah, they're they're really. Good. They never did. They just played yeah. their last show like a week ago. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're uh, so so they're packing it in. Yep. And I sang for them at uh, Crazy Fest. I yes um, you. What a segue. Yeah. That was going to be the tail end of my question. You filled in in between Dimitri and Greg at Crazy Fest in 2001 for Dillinger Escape Plan. Holy shit. Yeah, you stayed, have my undivided attention. Yeah, I stayed with Liam, yeah. I uh, stayed with Liam during the um, the practice process. Yeah, they were fast. It was um, it was really hard to keep up with them because they play much faster live than they do in the recording. And so um, – <laughs> They sent the recordings, I remember, and it took a solid week to catch up with them, of rehearsing two, three hours a night. I mean, it's, wow. I mean, they really worked me hard. But um, Did you do one show? It's also really hard. Did to, you do one Crazy Fest show? I, I did. Okay. So I did one Crazy Fest show for them, and then went home, and then they actually invited me to, they're um, not invited, but they asked me to do CMJ for them. And CMJ was on September 12th, 2001. And so I had my flight and everything ready to go. And then Twin Towers happened. Um, the 9-11 happened. And then uh, obviously everything got canceled and they decided not to play the show. But CMJ still won on that year. I do remember that, that they still played everything. So that was supposed to be my second show, but I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't go. Was it a... Was it an understanding that you were fill-in guy and were friends, or were you kind of dipping your toe in being the next vocalist? Oh no, no. Okay, no. all right. I, Just I, wondering. 
Yeah, yeah, no. No, I was just filling guy, and they weren't interested in my vocals for long term. I think they just wanted something, like to me, my recollection is they just wanted something interesting um, that they thought the fans would be interested in seeing sure. and stuff. Sure. And, um, we were, we were, we were enjoying that kind of like post breakup hype that like botch has been able to, you know, enjoy, you know, since, you know, on a longer, on a longer, longer basis. Right. Um, you know, the, the legend of coalesce had gone, but nobody actually really got to see, not as many people got to see us. And so like, you know what I mean? So like just kind of the hype was, was building. And then that was when the internet was new and we had a really active message board and they would, um, they would they would frequent it and stuff, but they're they're real nice. Um, the only reason I asked you know, is because they, I didn't know of a second show ever, so I was curious. Like, oh, there's a second show lined up. Then if nine eleven wouldn't happen, yeah, I think it maybe would, a third, maybe a fourth, maybe a hey, Sean Ingram's the new singer. Just wondering. Nah, nah, no. So so the interesting thing about Dillinger is they um they the I don't remember his name. I've only met him once, but the the. The main vocalist that finished the band with them, Greg, not Dimitri, Greg. Yeah, Greg. So like, so yeah, like like when I was with them, they were going. They had like all of these MySpace tapes, and they were playing all of these different MySpace tapes of like different people, and they were pretty. I heard Greg's tape, and they were all like pretty, like they knew that that was the dude they were gonna call. Okay. Like even when I was doing that, they knew that that was their guy and stuff. But they had all of these really great tapes they would play, um, where people would do something totally new with the songs. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they because they just released the track and stuff. Was that forty three percent? They put up an instrumental of forty three percent Bert. I remember downloading it because yeah. you're supposed to download that and then record your track over it. And I was like, I'll just keep an instrumental yeah. of forty three. That's awesome. But yeah, apparently that's <laughs> yeah. how Greg Greg got in because he downloaded the same thing I did. Yeah. but he sang over it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, so I heard his tape and it was good. And then I heard a bunch of other ones, but the one I loved was they had some doom vocalist and, uh, it would play. And then I just remember the vocal line just going fall into the fire. <laughs> and he like did the vocal line throughout the whole Boo. thing. Like, I mean, I must've, li- I must've listened to it like a hundred times. You know, with like, like just being like, guys, play that, play that song again. I want to hear it again. Play the Doom guy. But again. Um, yeah, it was pretty hilarious. They, they, they had a lot of they, they had a lot of people submit things for them. Oh, they so did. Yeah. That's what so I heard. They, yeah. They, Thank you so, dude. We've been on the phone for pushing three hours. I have to make this a double episode Oof. now because you're so, okay. you're so long-winded. And you don't know how to end the story. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Um, I appreciate it so much, man. It, it's it's really been a pleasure to talk with you. Um, I, sure. Yeah. No, this is fun. I appreciate you having me on, man. Really cool. Nice and clear.
Go ahead. Visit the site at asthestorygrows.com and subscribe so you don't miss anything. Special thanks to Brian Patton, who helps me out with the interviews, scheduling, and editing of this show. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for some free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode, or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, no problem. Tell a friend, and thank you so much for listening today. Oh!